It's such a privilege to be with you here this morning, and uh, I'm honored to be sharing with you. You know, one of the things that I like about worshiping with you here at MCC is you know, we have that unwritten rule about everybody gets to play. And so when, you know, the pastor's gone and some of the other elders are tied up, you got a new nut in front of you with the microphone. So <laughs> let's, let's see how this goes, you know. Uh, but, but that being the case, just a, a quick thumbnail sketch on me so you kind of maybe will know where I'm coming from. I grew up uh, oldest child in a little bit of a military-flavored family that was full of love, and yet when I was growing up in it, it skewed a little emotionally strict in some ways. My, my parents were great. They raised us in the church. There's a lot of good stuff, and yet I also managed to grow up with a real rule-based mentality, and by that, I mean, I, I thought that I would get more acceptance from authority figures in my life if I did a good job following the rules. So parents, coaches, uh, you know, and, and some of that developed as a dynamic between God and I. And as a result, for a long time, that, that caused me to misunderstand what it was that God really wanted with me and the whole reason why he had to send Jesus to die on a cross and to rise again. And let me get my sins forgiven so that we could close that gap that previously had been keeping us apart with my imperfections. And so, you know, since coming to that understanding and starting to obey Jesus and, and hear him, he's, he's taught me differently. And he continues to free me from thinking that his acceptance of me is at all determined by how well I'm performing. And instead, what he's restoring in me is an understanding that my identity, my value is established because I'm a part of his family through Jesus. And as a result, I get to do a lot of fun stuff like expressing the love he has for everybody. That's fun stuff. And so, you know, nowadays I know that uh, there are plenty of people who feel like if there's a God, he's far away, he's detached, he's disinterested, whatever. But I can tell you that with this life in Jesus, he's coming alive to me in some undeniable ways. And he's healing people emotionally and physically in my life right now. You know, going back a little ways, one of the prime ones is my wife Amanda, who's here this morning. She had crippling migraines starting from the time she was a girl until a few years into our marriage when she had a powerful encounter with the living Jesus she hasn't had one since. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for me to turn my attention and ignore that. You know, more recently, uh, my friend Rick was out, just out and about praying for people and ran into a woman at a gas station and, and her wrist was stuck like this from not healing well after an injury he found out a decade before. And, and just in inviting Jesus to have mercy on this precious woman. Right in front of their eyes, her wrist was unfused. She got full use of her hand back. This lady was excited. It was kind of funny to hear the story because Rick's buddy had to, he was praying with his eyes closed and his buddy's like, hey man, you can quit praying. She's healed. Look at her. <laughs> so I haven't seen that in my own life yet, praying for people, but I aim to. And, and I will say, in our household, it has come to please the Lord to regularly now be healing our tummy aches and our headaches and our fevers. 
as we bring him into our lives when that stuff's going on. So I get excited. This is Josh excited, okay? I get excited when I get to talk about this living Jesus who is, is here and, and available to, to be with us. And so um, as a result of that, you know, I'm excited to talk with you about uh, some healthy rhythms for a family on mission. We're going to try to cover three of them today, all right? But, but I want to do that in the context of making sure that nobody walks out of here with a burden, feeling like, I, I got three more things to add to my calendar now, or I got three more things to add to my to-do list. That's 100% not where we're going. What we want to do is just see some avenues into living restorative rhythms that are life-giving, where we can walk step-by-step with Jesus. He'll teach us. And, and so I think the lens for that is, on the next slide here, we, you know, we're reminded of Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, hey, come to me, everybody who's weary and heavy laden, and, and I'll give you rest. You know, the yoke that I have to teach you to walk is light. It's light. You're going to find rest for your souls if you join me in this. And so that, that's how we want to look at that. Is that fair enough? All right. Can we pray a little more? All right. So, Holy Spirit, we just we welcome you here to increase in presence. Good Father, will you be honored by um, receptive hearts and receptive minds this morning? We're trusting you to show up big time here, Lord. If, if, if you don't, if you're not a part of this, we're, we're just a concerned community group. And that's not what we're after. Amen. Okay, there's kind of an opinion question here for you to start first. Take a look at the picture. Do you see anything wrong with that picture? Okay, there's a little bit wrong there. If the purpose of that vessel is to safely hold the hot contents inside until you want to grab it and pour yourself a cup of tea, is, is, it, is the shape designed right for the purpose? No. no I, it, it's okay to feel like, hey man, Josh preaches the obvious. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. You know, yeah, the design is problematic at best. And if you try to use it, you might feel aggravated, frustrated. And in my day job, I'm the safety guy at work. And so I'm obligated to tell you it could be dangerous too, depending on the temperature of the contents if you try to use it. But what I want to pose to you today is that if, if we're not uh, developing and living out healthy rhythms with our families on mission in the way God designed we could find that our lives end up feeling a lot like it's feeling if we had to use a teapot like this. It's going to be aggravated. It's going to be messy. So keep, keep that in mind as we go. Last week, I got a lot out of Zeke's talk when he was talking to us about the habits of Jesus' followers. You might recall, those of you who were here, he talked about seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus, obeying Jesus, and then telling others about Jesus. And talking through our first rhythm, I want to hone in a little bit more of a focus on what I feel like is the most elemental rhythm of individual followers of Jesus, families on mission that are following Jesus. And, and it goes like this. It goes, hear, obey, and then hear, and then obey, and then hear, obey, repeat. So I, I like it simple, but I think that the simplicity comes out of things Jesus taught us. So in Luke 11, you know, he says, you know, more than that, blessed are those who hear my voice and obey. 
This is the rhythm that helps us daily, continually answer some really important questions, individually or as a group. We're we're asking, what is God saying, and what am I going to do about it? You know, what have I heard God say, and where's my opportunity to obey? So this is the rhythm that makes walking with Jesus not just a figure of speech. I remember the first time a church person asked me, how was your walk with Jesus? And I thought, it's a little jargony. But it's not jargon if we're living out this rhythm. Left foot, right foot, hear, obey, connected to Jesus as he leads us. So we want to establish that as our first rhythm. Let's look at each part of this a little further. You know, it's clear from Jesus' teaching that he wants us to hear. He would often end up a lesson or a parable or something, and he would say something like, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He says it over a dozen times in Scripture. But what I want to, uh, us to experience is that, you know, not only is there an expectation, but, you know, God has wired us biologically to be able to do this. He's given us part of our wiring that will help us increase in skill in the ability to hear his voice. That's exciting for me because I grew up loving science. And so this hearing God and obeying him, it's not just spiritual, metaphysical stuff. It's like, oh, what do you know? He, he supports us with the wiring to do what he's asking us to do and to experience with him. So Peter Lord, on the next slide, there's a, a lovingly written, a humbly written book called Hearing God. It's a great instruction manual uh, for, for those who are pressing into this. And, you know, in there, he talks a little bit more about this biological um, potential that we can use to hear God's voice better. He talks about the reticular activating system. So I'll, I'll apologize to you who have real medical training, which I don't have. Like I said, I love science. I can read up on things, but this might be a bit of an oversimplification. So, you know, this net-like formation of nerve cells in our brain do a lot of things. Uh, it helps regulate our sleep-wake cycles. For our purposes, the important thing about it is it helps prime our brain to receive sensory information that we're interested in receiving and helping us not pay attention to stuff that we don't want to hear or don't want to uh, you know, detect with our, with our senses. And so it's the ability that in the middle of the night, everybody dead asleep, and a mother with her superhero hearing can hear the baby in the next room just move a little bit because she has inclined herself to feel that that is such a vital skill that her wiring enables her to do that. Now, dad, dads can develop this skill too if you quit pretending you're asleep when the baby starts rustling around. So I, sorry, hon. I, I only did that a couple times, I promise. So, biology supports the fact that practicing hearing God's voice results in becoming more skilled at it. And in that book, Pastor Lord shares a great example. He, uh, when he's talking about the reticular activating system, he, he talks about having a uh, uh, wedding reception over at the house and having to step out to get some fresh air at one point. And one of his guests is on the front walkway, and, and they greet each other, and he notices you know, the guy who's been standing there with his head kind of cockeyed like this real still. And, and 
the guy says, Pastor, do you know you have 18 different kinds of crickets in these bushes here by the walkway? And, and Peter Lord's like, well, I don't know that I recalled ever noticing any crickets in there. But his guest was a Ph.D.-trained entomologist for whom it was so vital for his life to be able to discern the differences among insects, particularly crickets. And he was able, through developing the skill, to you know, tell the homeowner, hey, you've got 18 kinds of crickets here. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, just, I don't know what else I can say about that, except it's just super interesting. You know, I think if we turn that ability into really feeling like it's vital to hear God's voice, we can also receive the same benefits. I think that's where I was going at one point. And, you know, let, let's think about this in context, too, of the history of life in Jesus. If we go back, you know, Centuries and centuries of believers that have gone before our time didn't have the wealth of access to God's written word that we have. We got big Bibles, little Bibles, 14 translations of Bibles, electronic Bible that if I don't understand, I can hit a hyperlink and it takes me to the video of a teacher teaching on that. And that, you know, for over 15 centuries, believers that went before us, although they did get some preaching, primarily succeeded in life in Jesus by cultivating a life friendly to the Holy Spirit and doing this here, obey, here, obey, walk with Jesus. And sometimes I wonder, I mean, what if that's all we did? What if all we did was hear, obey, repeat? I wonder if we might be further along accomplishing God's kingdom purposes on the earth. I mean, that's just me. I don't want to make a big deal about that, but I was like, huh. Maybe that's how it would work. So that's, that's the hearing part. Let's, let's move to obeying. But first, let me see. Have you guys run across the concept of the five love languages? Have you run across that book? Yeah. You know, this is the book that sets up... Uh, Gary Chapman wrote it a long time ago. Many updates. I recommend it. Um, you know, he, through years of marriage and family counseling, discerned that people are wired to essentially speak about five love languages. But the book is about learning how to say I love you in a way that the other person can understand. And so, you know, in, I'm primarily wired to speak uh, acts of service. So when I'm trying to get my wife to know how much I love her, you know, I'm trying to make the yard look great. I'm trying to get the mower lines to just be perfect. <laughs> you know, I might come in, that takes a long time to get up. Right like that, you know. I, might, I come inside. You know, I might want to fix a nice meal with fresh ingredients and do all the little preparation steps that make it just come out great. So when I put it down, I'm like, "See what I did? I love you." But my that's bad because it takes so much time. My wife speaks primarily quality time, right? So that's like the opposite type of love language. That if I just spoke what I know how to speak, she might not be getting it. So thanks be to God that we can learn other things. Um, let me ask you this about Jesus. Have, have you ever thought that maybe Jesus has a love language? Maybe not the five in the Chapman book, but, um, you know, he offers us some clues in Scripture. You know, in John, when, when Jesus is, he's really ramping up, you know, uh, drama in, in what's coming. The cross is coming. He's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, look, you know, if you want to love me, keep my commandments. I'm getting real simple here with you guys. 
you know, and then a little while later, in case they still weren't tracking with him, he says, you know, if anybody loves me, he'll keep my word. And so, while I want to encourage you, express your love for God however you feel like you need to. We don't have any misunderstanding problems with our Lord. He knows our hearts. And yet, we don't want to miss out on what Scripture seems to say is a great way for us to be making those deposits into Jesus' love bucket through obedience. You know, he says things like this over a half dozen times in Scripture, so I, I think it's a thing. You know, what if we thought a little differently about obedience? If obedience says, I love you when we do it, what if we thought of it like worship? You know, what, what if we stop thinking, oh, have, have you ever felt like this on an obedience thing? That you're just willing yourself to be obedient to you? Like, I just got to toe the line. I just got to nose to the grindstone. I just, I just got to knock it out. But what if we thought about obedience like every time I do it, even on small stuff, I'm saying, I, I love you, Jesus. I've heard you, and now I love you. And then the left Right here, obey becomes, oh, I've heard you. Let me, let me show you I love you. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey, Lord. So I think we can think about obedience in some different ways that are healthy. You know, there's another cool thing about obedience. It helps on the hearing part of the equation, too. Did you know that we can obey our way into hearing God better? It turns out the more we obey, the more we get to hear God's voice and the better we can hear it. If you're like me, and sometimes it gets hard, it feels hard to hear God's voice. You know, what I'm learning is that I should eagerly seek the next opportunity to obey God and then obey him right away. And, and just go ahead and obey him all the way, right away and all the way. And then do that a couple times and then see, oh, what do you know? I'm hearing God a little better now. So it's something we can do to clean out our spiritual ears to hear him better. You know, in Matthew 13, 12, there's a pretty clear indication that God's okay with that being the dynamic. In fact, he's supportive of it. The more we obey, the more he's going to give us to hear. He's gonna, we're going to get more opportunities to hear. When we obey, we're going to get a little more responsibility uh, doing fun stuff in the kingdom. It seems to be how it works. So if the hear, obey is the what we're doing, What's, what's the how? Well, the how is the up-in-out concept, we call it. You know, Jesus has a great example of living a balanced life with a family on mission. Uh, here in just a few verses in Luke chapter 6. So what he would do, if you, if you go to read that, you would see, first thing Jesus did was he went and got alone with God the Father. He went to a mountaintop, and he just he had some one-on-one time, so that's the up and then he came right down the mountain and, and, and he, he got his apostles around him. So he called the team together and they were doing some in stuff. That's the in. And then he turned right around. He's like, okay, about face. Let's go with people who maybe aren't following yet. We're going to do some out stuff. And they did healing and they shared the word and just showed people that God loved them with no strings attached. And you know, this, this up and out, it's one of our values here. At MCC, it's not a concept unique to us. You'll hear it in other streams of Jesus followers, but it is something that we want to model in our personal lives and in our small group lives, you know, to just once in a while 
pull out the dipstick and check the oil level? How how are we doing on the up? How how are we doing on the out? We're getting a little heavy on the in. You know, let's go for that relational balance that Jesus demonstrates. There are tons of great opportunities to do this up and out business together. You know, doing in with some of your family on mission can be a blast. Is anybody here qualified to rake leaves? Congratulations. That means you're qualified to rake somebody else's leaves, too, and express the love of Jesus. You know, in the small group that uh, we were a part of, we've been a part of it for several years, but up through part of last year when we were in it, you know, we had some precious times of fasting together as an in. You know, are, are, are you pushing into this? Are you fasting with the people you feel like you're on mission with? It's good. It's good stuff. Doing out as a family on mission, it's a perfect match for what we're talking about here, too. You know, it's, it, it's amazing what we get to do when we're working for Jesus. You know, Amanda and I, um, at the time we were leaving our small group here, started praying for more opportunities uh, for ways to show neighbor love where we live. And those opportunities are really starting to materialize. I've, I've shared a couple of them with some of you. And I really like the, the story where, you know, last fall there was a the young mother, new mother next door, came to Amanda uh, and just said, hey, you know, would you be able to watch our, our newborn son? i got to go back to work. My maternity leave's coming to an end, and we just don't have a lot of good options. And Amanda prayed about it, and she took it to her family on mission, talked it through, and she went back to that family and said, okay, I'd love to do it. I got one condition. You can't pay me. You know, I'd be happy to do this just as a sign of how much God loves you and um, how much he's supportive of your growing family. I'm, I'm going to be really happy to do this, but I got to do it for free. And you know what it's like trying to find childcare, care, uh, many of you. And so these guys were flabbergasted and they were joyful. Right next door, God's provision. Huh. Big concern for them to, to handle, but God took care of it. And so that's our core, that's our core rhythm for individuals and in small groups. Um, let's talk a little bit about our next rhythm, the rhythm of resting. Another quiz. Let me see just by a show of hands if you are getting as much or more rest as you need these days. Okay. All right, I need to get with you and get some lessons. Thank you. God bless you. Um, also, by a show of hands, let's just see who who's generally aware that God has set it up in his plan for us to get some regular rest, say, oh, weekly. Anybody aware? We're generally aware that God has set up this rhythm of regular rest called Sabbath in the Bible. And so I'm not going to talk a lot about you know the fundamentals there. I think we've, by and large, done the hearing God part on this. But can, can we all agree that it's not a knowledge outage we have on this? So, so where we are in this process is like, let's talk about how we're going to live this out. How are we going to obey? It, it's going to be good for us. So, yeah, a few reminders here. Let's, um, let's try to notice some things in a little different way about about rest and how God set things up for that. If you look back in the Genesis account, 
you know, at the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2, if we jump in there, we see that's when mankind was created. So God had been really active previously. He's created everything. He started creating the land animals, and then mankind shows up. And then the next day, the first full day on the job for us, God did what? The seventh day, God rested, right? And so, you know, did God need the rest physically? Was he just worn out from making all the stuff in the heavens and on the earth? No, I heard a no. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he just created everything that we see and stopped just short of unicorns and Wookiees and, you know, all the Star Wars stuff that I wish was part of our reality sometimes. I don't think he did it because he was tired. I think he, I think what I see there is, you know, a loving father choosing to model how and when to rest for the benefit of his kids. I see a good daddy who kind of says, I can tell I'm going to have to show my kids how to do this. You know, they've been here, they've seen the beauty of creation and, and they've got to look at the rewarding work that's in store for them. But, but they haven't seen how to rest first yet. They see me and know I did a lot of work and then I rest, but they haven't seen how to rest first. I, I need to model this for them so that they get it and that they can get good at it. I think that might have been God's perspective. So if we turn things and look at it from mankind's perspective, what, what could it have been like? It could have been like, whoa, day six, lots already been done. All right, well, day's almost over. Full day tomorrow, wake up. First day on the job, what is it for us? It's a day off. Has anybody had a day off, first day on the job before? That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> yeah, so, so could it be that the model God is revealing to us, for us, is that we rest first, get our batteries charged up, and then be fully empowered from spending time with them that we can go out and do all the work. You know, the amount of work that's waiting for us, that's never going to go down. So what's our rhythm with rest that can let us accomplish as much as possible? And furthermore, is it, you know, could that observation really help us believe? You know, no, actually more than that, it's okay to go ahead and establish a rhythm that makes sure we have some regular rest in our lives. We don't work, 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 try to earn our rest at the end. I think it's okay to look at this and say, you know what? It might be the plan that we get rest first. So full transparency here. I feel like Team Harney is is at the early stage of making this a regular rhythm in our lives. We're having some fun learning our way into obedience here. You know, we, we like to kick things off with an evening meal together. It turns out we're really good at eating. And so, you know, if Eliana's friends are around, they get to participate. We like to um, do some communion. That's become a really meaningful thing. Um, you know, we like to talk about thankfulness. Whoever has a salt shaker, we pass it around. They get to talk about their thankfulness. You wouldn't think there'd be a lot of interrupting with often just three people around the table, but the salt shaker is kind of one of our, our fun things. You know, the next day, we just try to unplug. We might do some family worship. Um, you know, we might take a walk. Uh, but, but the communion has really become a meaningful thing for us. Are you guys doing communion in your homes or, or with the people you feel like are on your team in this whole endeavor? It's so good. And anything we do together here at church, it can be happening in our homes. Anything. 
And so the way that works out often is, um, you know, we just, we gather close and Eliana, our daughter's seven and a half, she's still small enough, she kind of climbs up in my lap and usually I just start by asking Amanda, I just say, you know, honey, have I hurt you? Have I, have I been unloving? Is there anything between us that I need to ask forgiveness for? And then we ask that question, you know, with each other and, and work it out. And that, but I gotta tell you, sometimes one of us is still so bent out of shape about something, we don't get to roll right into communion after that, because sometimes we're not ready to give or receive forgiveness. So we gotta take another lap around the neighborhood, you know, make some observations about creation and how good God is, get our focus back on God. And then often we find, yeah, we can come back together and, you know, hearts are changed a little bit by the Lord, and then we're ready to give and receive forgiveness. So, I mean, even just from a family, relational, hygiene point of view, is awesome. But we've also observed that when we do it like that, then there's no barrier for Jesus to just come right in and be a part of that and, and make it a really positive thing for, for our family on mission. You know, it's not easy. We're, like I said, we're learning our way into it. We have to do some planning. It doesn't happen automatically. Um, but it's so good. You know, the benefits of rest are immediate. If you take a nap, you're, you're rested. The benefits are immediate. But we're finding that the benefits compound over time the more we make this a rhythm in our lives. So are you still with me on this so far? Let's just, can I gut check with you a little bit on rest? You know, I want there to be grace for us as we learn our way into obedience, but let's just get to the bottom of things. You know, do we get to pick and choose the commands that we follow? Yeah, not if, not if Jesus is Lord. That's right. So let's just think about what a rested lifestyle could look like. What would happen to your worship, your relational health, your physical health, if you were able to build in a regular rhythm of getting alone with God in his presence and spending a day enjoying that and recharging your batteries and, and doing that with your family on mission, having other people involved with that. There's big benefits. So let's move on to our third rhythm of a family on mission, celebrating holidays or holy days as they were originally created. So I'm not talking about most of the Hallmark holidays. I'm talking about, you know, kind of the original way that that things started happening, where at different times with a rhythm throughout the year, families on mission would get back together and they would collaborate, they would commemorate, multi-syllable word, I'm sorry, it's both started with a C, but they would commemorate and celebrate the goodness of the Lord uh, in some particular aspect of their lives, depending on which holy day it was, you know. So the rhythm was like we, we're out there living life, maybe we get scuffed up a little bit, you know, but then we're regularly coming back to do these things and retell the stories of God's goodness in our life, his, his real living participation and, and how he's changed things. And we do that so we don't forget because we're forgetful. So it's important to have a rhythm around these things. And, and also so we can retell the stories of God's active participation in our life so that other people can hear it for the first time. If we're inviting them in, there's going to be people that get to hear this for the first time. You know, the holy days are a great time to rest and to balance up in and out. And, and I'll just say this. If you felt stressed out this last Christmas holy day season, it's not too early to make a different plan for this coming year. 
one of the one of the out rhythms that we like around our Christmas holy days. We started when Eliana was big enough to pull a wagon behind her. We just we make some Christmas cookies and give them out on plates to our neighbors. It's so easy. It's so fun. And we just we just give it to them and tell them, you know, we're just celebrating the birth of Jesus. And hope you enjoy these cookies. We're not trying to be real religious about it. We're not bringing an agenda with us with the cookies. We just want them to receive them with no strings attached. I, you know, we did we did slide a little card in there this year that just says, "Hey, you know, we're all innkeepers who have to decide if we have room for Jesus." We'll see how that comes back around us in terms of conversation and other opportunities to love on folks this year. But the next holy day on our calendar is Easter, preceded by Passover, right? And so we're still working on our plan this year to commemorate and celebrate God's goodness in this area and show some neighbor love. So I just I just invite you to be thinking some things that uh, we're considering. You know, how can we hear God and obey him? and expressing love to those people around us. And how cool would it be to just maybe invite a neighbor to a meal where we really honor them because of how precious God says that they are and give them an opportunity to see that this is just our normal life. We just we just choose to make Jesus bigger than the Easter bunny in our family. You know, no strings attached, but including them. You know, I'm not trying to preach against the Easter bunny or peeps or anything like that. You know, peeps are my wife's favorite. She, she likes to leave them out for a couple days so they get a little stale and chewy and you know, so there's a little bit more to them. Somebody else? All right, a couple fans of that method. I, I like the Reese's peanut butter eggs. But, um, you know, if Easter's not the right setting or timing to be including the people in our neighborhoods, what, what about the next holy day coming up? We, we have time to plan for that and ask Jesus about it. And so... Just as I invite the worship team back up and uh, the prayer teams back up, let's spend a minute here on, on next steps. So if you received a program on your way in or you have another sheet of paper, you know, these are great for just making a line down the middle and on one side writing start. What, what's the one next step you might want to pray about taking? You know, and the other column could be stop. Maybe we need to stop doing some things so that we can build some more healthy family rhythms in here. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going kind of strong with, this, with, the, with the sales pitch, but what would be the benefit to us all if we you know, took that next step, hearing God's voice and obeying it rapidly, joyfully, and thoroughly? You know, or what would be the benefit if we just introduced more of a regular rhythm of undistracted rest to our schedule and then regularly commemorating and celebrating God's greatness on holy days. Can we start that stuff and, and decide about it? Linked to Jesus, though. If we try to do it on our own or uh, just add more stuff to our calendar, we, we might end up feeling like that teapot that's not designed, right? It's not a good fit for the life, what's being asked of us. And so... Let's approach it that way with this light yoke of Jesus, with him leading the way step by step so we can learn our way into some new stuff. Does that sound okay? Let's pray. Lord, you are the creator and and ruler of our hearts, and we just invite you to shape our next steps in a way that's pleasing to you, not out of 
uh, performance mentality, but just out of the joy that comes for, with obeying you and then getting to be in your presence. Lord, will you make your name great by leading us into healthier family rhythms? Amen.